0: the wonder of heaven and how heaven can invade your life this holiday but every day because heaven is not only a real place but heaven has invaded god's people all his sons and his daughters in the book of john chapter 14 verse 1 through 3 look at look at what it says it's on the screen it says do not let your heart be troubled for in my father's house there are many mansions if If you believe in God, believe also in me. Excuse me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. That if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. In this series in December on wonder, I want to talk to you a short time together on the wonder of heaven. And I've already prayed, so turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to be cool, Thanksgiving's over, and sit down. Now, before I get ready and share this thought with you, we do have some wonderful things this holiday season. The, the, uh, the worship is going to be explosive each and every week like this. Uh, but also, we have special um, ballet dancers coming. We have a photo booth. Be sure to go in there with your family. But also, too, just those of you that are here, we might have a gift for you today. Just maybe look under your seat. Uh, Jesus might have brought you something already today to start the spirit of giving off. So just check under your seat and And if you got something, give a great big shout if you receive something under that seat. Just take a look. Some of you are like running, looking through those seats. Oh, there you go. We just got blessings for you. Just a little something, something to let you know we love you. We appreciate you. And now no more looking under the seats. Now, come on, focus back, focus back. Now you're like crawling like a commando soldier. We only put a few out there. We only put a few out there, but I think there's something so important about taking the kingdom of God and let it represent your life each and every day. I read a story recently, an article actually, in Newsweek, and it published an article some time ago and it talked about heaven and what it said that preachers today in this article are talking very little about heaven. And the article went on to say that they quoted why they less and less are talking about heaven. It said, quote, because they hesitate to talk about a place they or anyone else has never seen. But that's wrong. Can I tell you, heaven has been seen. Heaven is a real place. Not only did Jesus live in heaven, but people on this earth have seen heaven. They've experienced it. But I would go even a little bit further this morning and tell you that you can have heaven on this earth with the right attitude and the right mindset. As a believer, you can experience the kingdom of God each and every day. Heaven has been seen. The article went on to say that 75% of people that they surveyed told them that they were on their way to heaven. 75% of people think that they're going to heaven. And I read that article and I, I, I answered back, why? Why do they think they're going to heaven? If you were to stand before God today, what earthly reason would you give God to allow you to get in heaven? You know, there's a problem with heaven. There's a problem with it. You have to die to get there. Many people want to go to heaven like they want to go to Florida. The weather's nice and they think most of their relatives live out there. But heaven is an experience and it's a real place. And heaven is to be experienced not only in the next life, but I believe as the kingdom comes, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It can be experienced in this life. It's important to know, but you have to realize something because this is important. Death is a certainty. It is an absolute certainty. Death is a certainty. All men and women die. It's appointed for man once to die, and after that, the judgment. The fact is, kings die. Queens die, presidents die, the wealthy, the poor die, the scholar, the illiterate, they come to the place of the cemetery side by side. We do not know our appointed hour by which we leave this earth to face the Lord, but it will come to all mankind one day or another. So do you think you were going to heaven? If you were to stand before God in the next 60 seconds, what earthly reason would you give God for letting him let you into heaven? Some people would say, well, Joey, God would let me into heaven because I go to church. Friends, there are no Baptists in heaven. There are no assemblies of God in heaven. There are no Presbyterians. There are no Catholics. There's only one type of person that God lets into heaven. That's the blood-bought church of Jesus Christ. Those have accepted Jesus. So church membership will not get you to heaven. People say, well, Joey, if, if, uh, then my tears will get me into heaven. Listen, if tears could save every starlet and actress and actor in Hollywood would be as pure as Mother Teresa. If emotion could save you, the Bible says, do not confess your emotions. It says, confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. People say, well, God will let me into heaven because I'm a good person. I'm a moral person. The scriptures say all of our own works—they're like filthy rags. There, there's nobody that has this opportunity to get to heaven except for one, and we know who he is. His name is Jesus. So, if you were to face God and you stood before him, what what reason would you give him? What? Earthly reason would you give him? Some say, well, because of this or because of that. But there's only one way to get to heaven, and that's because Jesus has made the way. And when you accept him, God enters you into the kingdom of God, not only in the next life, but in this life. You get it in this life and the next life. You know, when we're young, we all feel immortal. I mean, there was a day, if you can believe this, I had hair. I know, isn't it crazy? I had hair and it looked good. I mean, it was so long and luxurious, I used to braid it down the back. It was so amazing. I had auburn highlights. I mean, it was just sparkling. It, you can tell I'm, I've got issues, but I had hair. There was a day when I, I felt when I was younger like I was kind of immortal. You think you're, you're gonna live forever. But I want you to understand everybody ends their life sometime. You can't take your next breath without God's help. Put your hand over your heart if you would for a moment. We're gonna sing the Pledge of Allegiance. No, we're not gonna do that. But if you if you put your hand over your heart, something's there. It's called, it's called a beat. A beat, a beat. That heart beats every hour that heart has to beat. Do you know it beats over 100,000 times every 24 hours? That cardio vessel pumps blood every 24 hours. It beats 100,000 times every 24 hours. It beats and it beats and it beats. But it's moment that it stops beating, you're in eternity. You're there, and you're going to be there forever and forever. If you were to spend your life on this earth, what would you tell God that you've given your life for? It beats you. Wake up in eternity Do you say, well, God, I'm in eternity now. I've given my life over to pleasure. I've given it to the God of self. What are you going to say you've given your life for? I've given it to to be successful, only to find out you spend your life trying to get success, realizing the ladder of success was leaning on the wrong wall. Well, Joey, I'm going to be an influencer on social media, and they're going to come to me because I'm an influencer, and I'm going to have all these airbrushed pictures, and I'm going to take a selfie. What are you going to say to God when you get to the end that you've wrapped up in this God of self? A man or a woman who is a self-made man or woman is wrapped in a very small package. What are you going to say to live your life, to amass something that only ends with nothing and futile? What are you going to tell God, Joey, when you get to heaven? I'm going to tell him, let me in. That's number one. And then secondly, I'm going to say, because I've received Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord, my name's written down in the Lamb's book of life. I've been washed by the blood. I have a robe of righteousness for his name's sake. I'm coming in, whether you want it or not. That's the point. We have access to the kingdom, not only there, but friends, you have it here. What are you going to do this morning that, when you realize this fact that you are eternal? You were born, and when you were born, you're no longer going to spend your life without being somewhere. You're eternal. There was a day when you were not, but there'll never be a day when you will not be somewhere. So where are you going to be when you get into a place of eternity? Will you spend your life wondering what life could have been and wondering you should have did this or you should have did that? What what could I have done If you're a believer, you'll spend your life here and you'll be escorted there into the paradise and the wonder of heaven with almighty God. When your last breath breathes here, you'll open up your eyes in a celestial air there and you will experience something that you've never seen before, the wonder. But an unbeliever, a person that rejects Christ, rejects the things of God, they do not go to heaven. They get ushered into a very horrible place called hell. They're dragged by demons into the bowels of hell. You say, well, Joey, that's not true. Unfortunately, it is true. Because truth is not what I say it is. Truth is not what I think of it is. Truth is what the word of God says it is. And God told us about this beautiful wonder of heaven, but he also told us about a horrible place called hell. And there's a reason why I keep coming to Stockton each and every day, decade now, and day after day. It's because of this absolute authoritative fact that hell is a reality. And many people do not get the message that hell is real, but hell, I assure you, is real. The same God who created the wonder of heaven, the same God who created cherubims and seraphims and angels and archangels and creation, the same God who created the beauty of heaven, that God created hell, not for people, but for the devil and his angels. Do you know Jesus did something interesting? When he was on this earth, he spoke exactly twice as much about hell as he did about heaven. You say, why did he do that? Because he wanted his audience to know this is a reality. The Bible says in Luke 16 that hell is a place of torment. Uh, The Bible says the rich man died and he went there. It's a place of memory. For Abraham said, son, remember that you in your lifetime had good things, but he never had reconciliation with God. Hell is a place of crying. It's a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's a place where the fire is never quenched and the worm die of not. It's a chamber of horror that will never end day after day, week after week, month after month, decade of millennial after millennial. You say, it's a horror chamber, Joey. It absolutely is. I don't have the capacity or the intellect to describe the horror of hell. But I've seen in the scriptures and I've heard eyewitness accounts from people who have experienced the wonder of heaven. Jesus said about this, it's a real place. He says, I go to prepare a place for you heaven's real. Wasn't it Stephen in the book of Acts who saw heaven? He was a mortal man, a normal person like you and I. And because he had faith in Jesus, they decided to end his life. He was the first martyr in scripture. And as a result of that, Stephen, the Bible says in Acts seven fifty five, he looked up into heaven as he was being stoned for his faith with rocks, not weed. He was being stoned with rocks and he literally saw heaven open He said, quote, I see the heavens opened and the Son of God is standing by the right hand of God the Father. And the scriptures say he closed his eyes and he went there. It wasn't a dream. It wasn't an illusion. It was a real place. Wasn't the Apostle Paul who saw heaven? He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And God gave him a guided tour through that third heaven. Now you must realize today, this is important. Heaven's one is what you see in the natural eye. The the clouds, the sun, the moon, the stars, that describes the first heaven. The second heaven is Ephesians chapter six, where Satan has its throne as evidence in Ephesians six, where powers and principalities rule there. The third heaven is the throne of God. That's why we say glory to God in the what? Highest, the highest what? Heaven. That's why the angels sang on that first Christmas morning, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. Why? Because the kingdom of God was coming down to dwell among men, and because of the upper room live inside of our hearts, when Paul saw this beautiful place, he wrote it in 1 Corinthians 2.9. He said, no eye have seen, nor ear have heard, nor it entered in the mind of a man what God has prepared for those that love him. You have to think about that because the apostle was one of the most brilliant minds of the New Testament. His ability to describe things, his creative ability is greater than Shakespeare. Browning, Sheets, or any other author or poet you think that can describe the emotion of people and mankind. But Paul looked at the wonder of heaven and he said it's indescribable. He got a guided tour of this beautiful place and he says I do not have the mind to fathom it. So he wrote the half has not entered the mind of man what God has prepared for those that love him. Let your imagination run wild and when it reaches a dead-end street you can't touch the glory what God has prepared for every one of us that receive his son Jesus we have a wonderful thing called heaven awaiting for us on the other side but on this side we can have love joy peace goodness kindness patience self-control we can have all the benefits of heaven you say well I'm not experiencing any benefits of heaven I'm experiencing hell then maybe you need to cross over maybe you just need to cross over People say, well, Joey, when you're going to cross over, I'll cross over when I can bring the crossover." <laughs> Some of you need to realize there is a decision that we all must make. A decision to reject darkness and embrace the light of the world. A decision to reject the mediocrity of life, our religion of life, our things that try to steal your joy, steal your peace. Reject that stuff and embrace the kingdom of God. There comes a time when you have to realize God gave us glimpses of his glory so we can experience each and every day the goodness of God. It was John on the Isle of Patmos. He was away from his family. He was uh, separated with, with his life, his church in Jerusalem. And on this island by himself, thousands of years ago, God gave him a glimpse in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, many people are so enamored with the mark of the beast and the signs of the end times. But can I tell you what Revelation is truly all about? Heaven. The book of Revelation, if I could summarize the book, and there's lots of teaching in it, but the realization of the book of heaven is that church has overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And now we're celebrating around the throne of God. Victory over the world, over our flesh, and over the devil. Victory over powers, principalities in the second, and victory over anything that's tried to take us out. I may not have the feeling of victory, but it doesn't mean I haven't won the victory, because the victory's mine. Because to what Jesus has done you say well that's that's pretty cool it is cool but when John saw this today he gave us a brochure in Revelation it was called a travel brochure here's what he said about heaven the wonder of heaven now lean into what I'm going to share the next few moments and we'll close our time he told us it was a four square city four square means perfection there's nothing on this earth that is perfect but everything about the wonder of heaven is perfect There are 12 gates of solid pearl streets that are made of pure gold, foundations of 12 kinds of precious stones. There's one diamond layer, one ruby layer after another. There's one layer of sapphire after another, one layer of emeralds after another. It just keeps going and going. One layer of precious stone, one layer for that sacred city. Think about that. If a man or a woman had such a mass amount of gold for asphalt to line the streets and diamonds and rubies and sapphires, if a man or a woman had Stuff like that on this earth, they'd have attack dogs in the front yard, armed security guards, signs that say, keep out, especially if it was in Stockton. We'd have armed guards all the time watching that thing. Isn't it funny? God's showing you and I a principle here that what we value on this earth is invaluable to God. We value the wrong things. God values the solitary soul. God took his only son because he wanted a family and sowed him into earth. And as a result of that, he valued you so much that he wasn't willing to let his son have life on heaven's grounds, But he had to have life on earth and die for the sins of the world because of the value of you. What men and women value on this earth is irrelevant to the kingdom of God. We value the wrong things. We turn life and turn it upside down and we call it death by convenience. It's called abortion. We do all these things to take away life. We do all these things to clutter up life. And Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have that life more abundantly. He talked about this this beautiful city God our Father has created for us. Jesus said again, I go to prepare a place for you. Just walk with me for a moment up the streets and those gates that are made of pure, of pearl, the Bible says on that eastern gate. Mansions to the left, to the right, by the architect of the ages. I have a mansion created for me there by the architect of the ages. I don't have a little hut, I don't have a little cabin, I've got a mansion created for me by God our Father through his precious son. Think about this for a moment. In that boulevard in heaven, there's all these mansions. And there's these names written over the doorpost in clusters of diamonds. There's St. Paul's name. The Bible grades, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's name. There's King David's name. There's my mother's name. There's Brenda Kate. There's James Russell. There's my daddy's name. There's Jennifer's daddy's name. There's our grandmothers, our grandfathers. There's your son. There's your daughter's name. They await our coming. We can't have full family reunions here, most of us. But just a little while longer, we're coming to a day when all of God's children can come home and the Bible says we'll know each other in heaven because we'll sit down with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. You can't sit down with people if you don't know who they are. I want you to know we're going to sit down and we're going to rest for a little while, a family reunion when all of God's children get home and it can happen today. You say, well, I've never heard such things before. You're hearing them now. You say, well, we, we know each other in heaven. Yes we'll know each other. The Bible says we'll be known as we are known. You're going to be smarter there than you are here. Moses and Elijah appeared with Jesus and the disciples knew it was Moses and Elijah. How did they know? They've been dead a thousand years. In God's tomorrow, we'll be known even as we are known. Do people in heaven know what we're doing on this earth right now? Yes. Hebrews 12 and 1, wherefore seen, we're composed about with such great a cloud of witnesses. That's angels, archangels. That's Old Testament saints, New Testament, that would be Jewish people. And New Testament saints, that would be all the other races of the world, all the nations, tribes, and tongues, all who have proceeded and passed away after Jesus. They're all there. My mother's there. My daddy's there. They're standing over the balcony, and they're cheering us on. And and that's why he said, lay aside every weight, lay aside every religious nonsense, lay aside everything like an Olympic track star. You're to lay aside everything that would jack you up from finishing your race. And you're to run that race with patience that is set before you. God says, I've called everyone to run the race of life. And if they could stand over the balcony of heaven and cheer you on right now, they would wave the white towel, maybe red, and they would wave that towel and they'd say, Fight on. Fight the good fight of faith. Don't give up. Heaven is worth 10,000 worlds. Run the race. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Conquer. Endure to the end. The race is almost over. We'll be together soon. I see them standing over that balcony of heaven with their robes of white on screaming louder than 10,000 Super Bowls saying, go, 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 go. It'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. Heaven is a place where Jesus is. The Bible says we'll see him as he is. Wasn't it Mary who saw him as a baby in the manger? Wasn't it John who saw him as a candidate to be baptized? Wasn't it Rome that saw him as a person that he was just another criminal that Rome had crucified? Wasn't it the disciples that only saw him as a teacher and they referred to him as rabbi? Wasn't he seen as somebody, he was too dangerous to live, so we have to take him out? But when we see him, when we get to that other place, and when you get the right eyes in this place, you're going to see him for who he is, not a religious statue on a wall. Not a religious entity that's there to whack you over the head every time you make a mistake. But you're going to see, you're going to see him as he is. No longer the lamb led to the slaughter portrayed on a cruel Roman cross, half naked to the world. You're going to see him as the lion of the tribe of Judah. You will no longer see him as one that was crucified by Rome, mocked and spit upon. You'll see the one who has had the stars called him by name, the one who puts kings up and he puts them down. You'll see the one whose eyes are as flaming fire, whose hair is like lightning and whose countenance is like fire. You'll see him as he is, the one where everybody will come And now the carpenter of Calvary is no longer being crucified. Now every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. Presidents will bow. Prime ministers will bow. Hitler will bow. The carpenter from Calvary. We will see him in all of his glory. You say, I like it, but I can't see that now. That's because you're on the wrong side of this. You haven't seen the light yet. But when you see the light, you get a glimpse of the glory and the wonder of God. And I'm here today to tell you that some of you need to wake up out of your religious slumber. Some of you need to wake up out of your religious, what you don't get, what you haven't gotten, and all the nonsense that you think God should do for you. And you need to remember who you are and whose you are that you belong to God, that you are not working under man, you're working under God. And what you're doing may not have avenues here, but it's making a big difference there. Can we stand together all over the building? Do you know we're going to have a physical body in heaven? I didn't tell them in the first service because they're not as spiritual as you. But you know you're going to have a spiritual body in heaven when Jesus, after his resurrection, he went to his disciples and they thought it was a ghost and he said, touch me, Luke chapter four, Luke 24. He said, touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones. Do you know another wonderful miracle in heaven? You ready for this one? We're going to eat. Remember that old school fat boy song? All you can eat. All you can eat, baby. Seven years around the throne of God, eating and celebrating with no adverse effects. I don't know about you, but that makes make me happy. Yeah. See, it's all in a matter of perspective. What you're willing to look upon will determine what God will bring you to. If you're looking for the kingdom, you're going to find it. If you're looking for fault, you'll find fault. If you're looking for problems, Joey, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm waiting for the other problem. I'm waiting for the diagnosis. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the bills not to be paid. I'm waiting for my husband to come in and say I want a divorce. I'm waiting for my child to come and say that, that they, now they've committed this crime or this issue. I'm waiting for my grandchildren to say they don't want nothing to do with me. And if you're waiting for all the negative, maybe it's time that you stop looking at the wrong things and start looking toward the main thing, the wonder of Jesus and the wonder of heaven because it's where Jesus is. And now he's put you on this earth so people can see the representation of him in you.